as Jesus sat in the upper room that night that we have the account from in our, our gospel reading today, he looked around the table at the 12 faces that were staring back at him. And he knew, he knew that this would be the last meal that he would share with them there. There were so many things that he still wanted to tell them. So much that Jesus still wanted those disciples to understand. He just didn't have the time. And so he sums it all up into three little words. I love you, he said. As, as my Father has loved me, so I love you. And this, this then is my command for you, he told them. As, as I have loved you, love one another. It's a pretty simple message, a pretty simple command. Love. And when you break it down, that's what this book is all about. It's all about God's love for us. It's all about love. And so it's not really too surprising that as we open up to, to John's first letter again, that that's what we find him talking about this morning. As, as he's repeating to us that same message that he heard from Jesus in that room on that night. John, John starts off with these words. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And now this isn't the first time that John is, is pointing out to us that what he's saying is something we've heard before. We had that, that same kind of line earlier in chapter 2 a few times, and now we have it here. If you look at John's second letter, he says it again there. This is what you've heard from the beginning. And his point is that John is, is not making this stuff up. No, what he's doing is sharing with us messages, words that he heard firsthand from Jesus Christ. And when he says, you've heard this from the beginning, he's talking about the beginning of the New Testament. God's new covenant with us. A covenant which started during Holy Week, during Holy Week when, when Jesus went to the cross to take away our sins. <clears throat> and, and when John says that this is something you've known from the beginning, he's going back to that command that Jesus gave him and the other disciples that Thursday night to love one another. That Thursday, Maundy Thursday we call it, the word Maundy comes from the Latin word for command. So we call it Command Thursday. Because it's the day that Jesus gave the disciples that command to love each other. But that's not the only thing we remember that day for. We remember Maundy Thursday also because that's the night that, that the Last Supper took place with Jesus and His disciples. The night that Jesus instituted the Sacrament of Holy Communion. <clears throat> 
And we also remember that night because it's the night Jesus went with the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane where he was betrayed and then handed over to the the Jewish leaders and officials who led him away so that less than 24 hours later he could show those disciples just exactly what it was that he meant when he said, love each other. As he gave them the ultimate example of love when he gave up his life for them on the cross. That's the true love that John is telling us about. That's the true love he means when he says we should love our brothers and sisters. The love that our first brother, Jesus, showed to us. And and when Jesus was on the cross and, and he said those words, it is finished. He was talking about that great act of love that he was carrying out for us. He was talking about your salvation, the forgiveness of our sins. He was talking about our adoption into God's family. Through what Jesus did, now when we hear God's word and and in our baptisms, we are born again, born as members of God's family. So God is your father. You are God's children. We looked a lot at that relationship of us being God's children last week. But when God brought us into his family, we got more out of it than a heavenly father. We also got hundreds and thousands of brothers and sisters. We are a family. We are blood relatives brought together and united by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, the blood he shed to to bring us the forgiveness of all of our sins. And that spiritual family bond, that family bond that we have in Jesus is far more powerful than, than any of the family bonds that this world has to offer. And to understand that, all we have to do is look at our own earthly families. Because where that unity in Christ is lacking, those family ties are so easily disrupted and broken. And where Christ is not the center of our relationship with our brothers and sisters or or parents or children, maybe cousins, aunts and uncles, then then disagreements, arguments, and disputes in the family can be really difficult to resolve, if not altogether impossible. Without Jesus being the center of our families, that family love quickly goes away. And that's something that John was illustrating for us as he he takes us back to those very first brothers, Cain and Abel. Do not be like Cain, he says, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. As we continue on looking at, at the words John has to say, then we see there's, there's two reasons why he tells us this about Cain and Abel. And the first one is 
He doesn't want us to be like Cain. He wants us to love each other, to love our brothers and sisters, not murder them. And, and second of all, he's warning us. He's warning us that as we continue walking in the light, as we continue living in the righteousness that Christ has given us, we're going to find our own Cain's out there in the world. There will be people that hate us. People that may come as, as close as our own family, maybe even our own siblings. Because if they're not our true brothers and sisters, bound to us by the blood of Jesus, then they aren't being motivated by God's love. They don't have God's love motivating them to, to truly love us. Instead, they're being led by the selfishness and greed and, and hatred of their sinful natures. But when, when the love of Christ, when the love of God, that true love, is what's driving the love between a brother and sister, then, then that family has true love. And those bonds are, are so much stronger when Jesus is in the family than than when he's not a part of it at all. So that first part, the, the whole love your brother, don't murder him part, I kind of breezed right past that. And, and you guys might be thinking, well, that's, that's pretty straightforward and simple. It's, it's fairly obvious. But I think it's actually a, a much easier trap to fall into than it seems like. And I'll admit, the first time I read through this text as I was preparing for this message, I thought maybe the same thing that, that you guys heard when I just read it right now. Do not be like Cain who murdered his brother. Okay, got it, check. I'm good there. But as we look farther and, and a little deeper, we see that John says anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And so once again, just like each week as we've been looking through this lesson, we find ourselves with a, a one-side-or-the-other type of situation. Either you love your brother and sister, or you're a murderer. So which is it? Do you love your brother and sister? Your brothers and sisters? Or not. And, and we might start trying to rationalize in our minds that, that well, I maybe don't necessarily have to love all of my brothers and sisters. And remember, when John says brothers and sisters, he's not just talking about the ones that you share some DNA with. He's talking about Christians, the Christian church, your fellow believers. For us here, especially our family at Cross of Life. We might say, is it, is it really that rigid that either I love them or I'm a murderer? I mean, I may not love, love, love them, but it's not like I want them to be dead. I mean, can God really expect me to, to fully, 100% care for all of these people? Can't I just maybe be, be pleasantly apathetic towards someone and, and just not really care one way or the other what, what's going on for them? Do I really have to love them all the time? Am I really my brother or, or sister's keeper? 
Oh, whoops. You see where that line of thought gets us to is, is right back to that, that sinful reasoning that, that was there in the, in the murderous heart of Cain. And now I, I have another question for you guys. Something to think about. Do you think Cain always hated Abel? I don't. I think, I think he probably loved him for a pretty decent amount of time. For, for a long time. I mean, they were brothers after all. They, they grew up together. They played together. They probably wrestled together. Let's face it, they were, they were the only two kids on the block. They probably spent a decent amount of time together. But somewhere along the line, that relationship got messed up. Because somewhere along the line, Cain stopped loving Abel. As we read through the account in Genesis of what happened there, you could see, though, that that wasn't the only relationship that was messed up. Because before he stopped loving Abel, Cain stopped loving God. And when his relationship with God was weak, then it was only a matter of times before the other relationships in his life started getting messed up too. And it might have been just that little thing. Maybe it started out as annoying, but then annoying moved to to discouraging, maybe irritating, and that irritation moved on to envy, and then envy progressed into to hatred and, and wrath and rage until finally he flat out murdered him. So look around this room at your brothers and sisters. And let me ask you this, who... Who's your Abel? How far down that, that progression, that path of sin, have you gotten? And what's that, that little thing that you might be letting get blown way out of proportion? There was a point as Cain was going down that line that God came to him and gave him a loving warning, a loving reprimand. And it's the same Reprimand he gives to us as we start entertaining those less than loving thoughts about our brothers and sisters. Stop. Why are you angry? He says, why are you thinking these things about your brother or, or sister? Sin is crouching at your door, ready to, to pounce on you, to overwhelm you, to drag you down into the same pit that it dragged Cain into. Don't you know that, that anyone who hates his brother is a murderer? And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. Either you love or you remain in death. So we need to get those sinful, hateful, harmful thoughts out of our minds. Don't focus on the things about other people, about your brothers and sisters that, that bug you. 
And that might not mean that you can just focus on the good things about them because maybe you can't think of anything good about them to focus on. Focus then on on the fact that God made them good. And that He loves them just as much as He loves you. Brothers and sisters, be a family. Build each other up. Love one another. There's a lot of that love here at Cross of Life. And if you've been here for a while, maybe sometimes you start taking it for granted. Some of you guys have been here a pretty long time. Some of you younger ones maybe have never even had a life outside of Cross of Life. But some of us have. And so let me tell you, as someone who came in just last year from the outside, this place, this church, this family is bursting with love. And, and it's an awesome thing to see. Every time I hang out with people from this church, I see that love. And I know, I know that you guys see it too. And you know what? That love shows us something. It proves something to us. That's what John tells us in his letter. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death, but we can see our love. And so we know that we have passed from death to life. Our love is evidence of our faith. I can look at you guys and see the love that you share with one another. And if we talk about that one side or the other situation, I know you're over here. You look around at your brothers and sisters and see the love that they're sharing, and you know they're over here. People walk into this church off the streets, and they can tell that we're over here. So why is that? Why is there so much love here at Cross of Life? We're good at love. And the reason is because love is something that has been demonstrated to us. This Friday, like, like Pastor was talking about, is, I know you guys are all really excited, it's Valentine's Day. A day that, that many people have dedicated to demonstrating their love to the people close to them. Maybe that, that special someone. I have, I have a Valentine here. And no, I didn't didn't steal it from someone. Um, this is a Valentine that I got last year from my little cousins, Bethy, Bethany and, and Maggie. And they gave this to me to demonstrate, to show that they love me. And so when I see this Valentine, it's a reminder to me of how much my little cousins love me. I also have a niece, Evelyn. And Evelyn doesn't write Valentines for people. But mainly the reason for that is that Evelyn is only 15 months old, and she's not very good at writing it. What she is pretty good at, though, is imitation. 
And so if you come up to her and you ask her, how much does mommy love you? If you're lucky, she'll go like this. Because mommy and daddy have showed her that. They've said, how much does mommy love you? This much. Or how much does daddy love you? This much. And so she's seen that love and she can imitate that love then by doing the same thing. Well, we have a God who loves us so much. So much that He hasn't just dedicated one day to to giving us a valentine to express His love to us. He's written us a pretty long valentine, which He's given us every single day. And so as we spend time in this, this love note from God on a daily basis, we're going to find that that when he says, I love you, he doesn't just say the words. No, Jesus said, do you know how much I love you? This much. And he stretched out his arms and let them get nailed to the cross. And that's why there's so much love here at Cross of Life. Because we have come together at the foot of the cross of life. The cross where Jesus offered himself up for the payment for our sins. He laid down his life for us. And that is how we know what true life is. And that is why we ought to lay down our lives for each other. But we're not always going to do that perfectly. We won't always give freely from what we have to to those who are in need. We won't always back up our words of love with action. And sometimes we'll take those little things that don't really matter and we'll just let them get blown way out of proportion. There will be times as we walk in the light, that that we'll mess up and make mistakes and show hatred instead of love. And then what's going to happen is our hearts are going to condemn us. And Satan is going to do his worst to get us to believe that we're so far over out walking in the darkness that there is no chance, no hope that we can ever return to walking in the light. That that life is is behind us and we should just give up and, and give in to the darkness. But God is stronger than our hearts. And His power is millions of times greater than the power of the devil. And so even when we fail, He still forgives us. Even though we all were utter failures, he still stretched out his arms to save us. And so our hearts cannot condemn us. Because as we look at the cross, we see our Savior with his arms spread wide in love to us. And when we look at the cross, we see 
forgiveness and hope and life. And then we turn around with our arms open in love to one another. Because that is what God has taught us to do. That's what God has commanded us to do. And he promises that everyone who obeys his commands remains in him. And he remains with them. So let's believe his promises of love as we walk in the light of true love. Amen. And now, may the peace of God's love, which is beyond our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.